you don't have balls, do not listen to this podcast. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> listen, I'm trying. What is this, terrestrial radio? <laughs> I'm trying to take the lead from this local radio station that's been just telling me not to listen. If you're a woman, put this podcast down right now. Throw your phone into a bonfire. You, you shouldn't be listening to this. Tired of these gendered restrooms. Gender. <laughs> Not no, not gender restrooms. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I fucked it up. Imagine though, like doing like a super aggro voiceover for like um, left leaning sort it. of liberal stuff. Are you tired of gender restrooms? Come to our restaurant. You know where what? All of our restrooms are non gendered. We accept all customers. This is a great idea. This is we're gonna. It's like a Trojan horse. We're gonna take their approach and see if we can pull them over to the other side. Do non-binary people make you uncomfortable, fucking snowflake? (laughs) Well, we came very aggressively into this intro, but don't worry. You, you, it's okay if you don't have balls. You can still listen to the Side Talks podcast. That's actually our, that's actually our tagline now. (laughs) We should make, we should put that on a t-shirt. It's okay to not have balls and listen to the Side Talks podcast. Uh, it's also okay because the phrase, what's up, ding-dongs, is yeah. not gendered. That's directed to everybody. Everybody can be a ding-dong. Uh, uh, I certainly am. I like that our last episode, we we tried really hard to come with a professional intro just to see how it was going to play out. And then I took a total hard turn on this one. Anyway, well, it was inevitable. Yeah, yeah, everybody knew that that was gonna, you know, disintegrate very quickly. <laughs> I'm Rachel Morgan, and this is the Side Talks podcast. I'm Corey Kraft, and I have nothing. Yeah, else. I don't know Balls. what else to say. Balls. So now it's time for a segment of the podcast called "Phone a Friend," where we do just that: phone a friend. Hello. Hey, bro, bro. It's Rachel and Corey. Oh, hi. Oh, do How's I, it going? Good. Do I hear little cutie dogs in the background, or is that just Oh, my feedback? gosh. Yes, you hear a little. No, that's just a little nutcase chewy you hear. You're hearing it correctly. Yeah, oh. yeah. She's got to go, you know, protect us from something. Um. It's probably just a truck drove past. Yeah, that's literally all that had to have happened, for sure. <laughs> well, we want to know what you've been listening to. I'm sorry, watching. Watching. I was totally distracted by the dog barking. But uh, yeah, (laughs) you know, we we know that you're a seeing person. So what (laughs) what have you been watching and listening to? Um, Okay, well, I had never seen this. And um, last night, let me see, Tony had been scrolling through the... um, So we thought, okay, it's Valentine's. So, you know, we should watch some kind of movie along those lines. So we're scrolling through the, oh yeah, here it's called the Romantical. Classic Rom- yes, Classic Romance. And guess what was there? Um, Tootsie. Oh. And, oh, that's an interesting, oh, that's an interesting turn. It? Yeah. I know. And um, so, you know, I don't think we off the top of our head would have thought of it, but we were like, well, we've never seen Tootsie. So maybe we should give it a go. Um, okay. So I had never seen it. Have y'all seen it? Yeah. Oh, I've, I've, not only have I seen it, but I, I am so old, Lisa, as you're aware of it. I saw that thing in, in mm-hmm. the cinema. Mm-hmm. I saw that in the movie theater. Now, granted, I was a, a, a very small thing when I saw this film in the, in the cinema, but I, my parents took me, I'm pretty sure my mom, at least. Yeah. Um, well, I, so yeah, I mean, I have not experienced it and okay. It holds up y'all. I mean, it is like definitely better than you think. It's a really good movie. In the modern era. Yes. 
so um, I had no idea all those people were in it. I mean, everybody's in it. You got it's apparently Gina Davis's first role. You just yeah. get a little, a little, a little bit of Gina, but you know she's there. And Bill Murray is in it uncredited, so I didn't go in knowing he would even be in there. And then um, you know you got your Dabney Coleman, your Dev Delane, Terry Gar. When are we getting oh to God, Terry? Oh. She's fantastic. Oh, Terry was a highlight. Terry was a highlight, and she is. She literally everything she did and said and wore and did like you could just drop her into any movie in any decade and it was perfect. She was the most timeless thing about it. I swear. Um, yes, love my girl Terry. And um, I read that both she and Jessica Lange were up for best supporting actress uh, yeah. award for this, but so they had to kind of fight against each other in a way. But that Jessica Lange got it. Yep. But that also Jessica Lange was up. For Best Actress against for another movie called Francis about Francis Farmer or something. Yeah, and um, an amazing, against, also an amazing film, by the way. If you but it was it. against Meryl Streep in Sophie's Choice. Oh, Meryl. So kind of Meryl hard to argue against that one. It's also exactly. one of those things when you're like, okay, well, you know, it's great to be nominated for an Academy Award, but guess who you're up against? You, you know, when you're <laughs> right. looking down the barrel at Meryl Streep, it's you're fucked. Especially Meryl yeah. Streep in yeah. that movie, right. which was immediately heralded as, oh, this is one of the best performances of all time. Yeah. Of all time. Yeah. So it was, well, so what they think or what a theory, I guess, could be is that she got not that she didn't deserve it necessarily for this, but that she got the Best Supporting Actress for Tootsie Award as sort of a consolation prize for not getting Best Actress because of the Sophie's Choice, you know, choice. You know, so, I, I believe that. And I do think that the Academy wanted to give that to Terry Garr because it's it's a fun performance yeah. in a way. And it's a, it's it just is one of those ones that the Oscars loves to kind of kick around like it's, a football. It's also kind of the case that, she was. She's not a supporting actress in that movie. She's really not. She is the lead actress. She really. I. I have to agree with that. So that is. I mean, that's something that you see from time to time, like, like Viola Davis in Fences, right? Like, well, we want to give her an Oscar, but like, she's she's actually the lead, and we don't know if she's going to make it in a competitive category. So supporting actress, yeah, that's where she can. Oh, Academy. Get her Oscar. They do as they please. Oh, yeah. Um, well, apparently, yeah, and I think there was, out of the ten nominations for this movie, that her, Jessica Lange was the only actual winner, because also that year were, um, as far as, like, big awareness movies was E.T., but mm-hmm. big epic movies uh, was Gandhi, and that yeah. left. Everybody's got to love their, you know, epic Gandhi movie. You know, I've never seen that. Gandhi. Yeah, either. it's about yeah. like nine hours long and it yeah. looks boring, yeah. but um, I'll watch it one of these and days. And if Corey thinks it looks boring, you <laughs> Everybody run out and get Gandhi tonight. <laughs> um, okay, well, okay, so I have a few notes, though, because I don't know, you know, when y'all last saw it or how recently, but okay. Like, I mean, obviously going in this movie, you know that it's Dustin Hoffman and he's going to become a woman, dressed like a woman. Um, there was no transition montage. Like, it just went from he's he's talking to his agent, um, played by Sidney Pollock, the director, and mm-hmm. they're having a whole discussion. And then he's like, light bulb, bing, and then cut to next scene. He's walking down the hall of the street, fully formed as Dorothy. So innovative. Uh, it's really so innovative. And it's, it's that right. shot where... Uh, Favreau. You know, the, it, the, the character is... is you know, just one face of like 
dozens and dozens of faces on the street and and he he walks closer and closer to the camera on this busy new york sidewalk and it's it's just really a, a very abrupt but but really kind of cinematically pleasing reveal of of his new look well, and that's the exact scene from Elf. Favreau, Favreau watched that scene yeah, and mapped out true. that scene in Elf to to oh, as oh. as a homage. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, and you know, it's it's weird because there's not no montages. It seems like there's just sort of a misplaced montage because right. then it's like we don't really get to see the whole. Um, you know, development of the character. Like, what if I wear this kind of clothing and how should I do my hair and let me shop for a wig? Like, we don't get to see that really. But then kind of once he's in the role and he's getting up every morning and he's doing the routine, then one day there's like a makeup montage. He's shaving his legs. He's doing the hair. You know, so you do get to see the transition, but it's kind of like once it's already an existing character, you don't really get to see him as a, you would think, as an actor sort of like develop the character. But, you know, still, I mean, I love that we still get a montage of him shaving his legs and everything. Like, I'm so, you know, and that montage was interesting because um, he's looking in the mirror and all around the mirror uh, are photos taped up that he tore out of magazines, I guess, as like makeup guys, like the close up of eyes and Mm -hmm. blushes and cheeks stuff. And he could definitely, you know, different time, but he could have benefited from like having a YouTube contour (laughs) tutorial or something like that going. Like they were made today. That's what he would have on, essentially. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, let's see. Were there other – I feel like there was another montage at some point. So they do get them there, but it kind of just cuts here. Like, oh. But um, let's see. There's other – oh, here's a good quote I like that says, don't you find being a woman in the 80s complicated? Isn't that so good? Oh, it's so good. And, you know, Lisa, my feeling is – and you just correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like what you're going to really appreciate, what you probably really appreciated about this film – is that mm-hmm. the approach to Tootsie is that Tootsie's sassy. You know what I mean? That Tootsie's yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Blah, 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 you know, yeah. that like reading everybody the riot act, like you don't get Tootsie angry. You don't rile You're not her gonna up. Take, uh, Dorothy, Dorothy Michaels is not going to take any guff from Dabney Coleman. That's exactly that's sure. right. That's exa- oh, Dab. No. Oh, Dab. We love you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and oh, you know what, there was another, cause so, you know, as her character's growing in popularity and, you know, all the, oh, there was a good scene where they show, you know, people around America really embracing Tootsie and being empowered by her, um, or I guess Emily is the name of her character on the show within the show, but um, they show a woman who is watching a very teeny tiny little TV propped into her desk drawer, and she's got a cord coming from it, and there's literal earbuds. They look exactly like modern-day earbuds. So, and she's just, like, watching it and glancing over at it from her office desk, which was, so that was very cute, because they kind of got that exactly right. Like, those, exactly how we watch television now. Tiny mm. little, tiny little screens with earbuds. And, Do you um, think that somewhere there's a production designer who's kicking a wall being like, I fucking could have invented those? <laughs> I, I designed them for, for Tootsie, and you stole my thunder, Apple. Apple. Apple watched this see what happened. <laughs> um, oh, you know what? There is another, okay, there is another montage because then once she's wildly successful as a character, then there's a, you know, like a wild success montage. And Andy Warhol is in that because he yes. does all these yeah. photos. Yes. Yeah. He well, is. Andy, what was, I expect that so how awesome what an awesome film yeah. I, you know they screened this lisa at the alabama theater about it was pre-covid so my my recollection of it is thin now because of that but it was it was probably right before the pandemic mm-hmm. and they did a screening as part of i think the summer series and uh, it was freaking great to see it again on the big screen especially i would definitely 
see it again. I was, yeah, really surprised at how well it holds up and how, I mean, it kind of touches on all these different things. And obviously, if it were made today, I'm sure there would be, you know, a little more certain tweaks to various levels of the wokeness uh, issues. But it really doesn't feel so dated. It doesn't feel, you know, it just, it really, it was very, very enjoyable. Um, and you know what I also could see in there are the seed buds of Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, actually, because that's a good example of the sort of finding the character montage that you uh-huh. were lamenting. But- yeah, they were like, we need to do that scene because, yeah, we missed it in Tootsie, so let's have the whole... Yeah, let's do let, let Robin do it. Mm-hmm. Robin is going to hang out with Harvey Firestein and <laughs> and they're going to sing a little some songs from Fiddler on the Roof. Oh my god. Yeah. You know what scene makes me really uncomfortable? Not because I'm homophobic. Okay. Oh. Just let me get that. Oh, okay. Is it- <laughs> oh, yeah. Go ahead, clear the air, Rachel. <laughs> the what it had to be you whatever what is the song? The really, uh, they really might be it you. might be you. When they're like yeah. on on the porch swing together and then they're walking through the field. I don't know. He's just so blindly in love with Dorothy and it just upsets me. I, I feel really uncomfortable uh, about that's it. That's old uh, Charles Durning, right? <laughs> yes. Um, as yes. as uh, yes. Jessica Lange's character's dad. And Dustin Hoffman's yeah. just pining for what is his daughter. <laughs> it's just everything about it is highly fucking inappropriate and it, it does upset me a little bit. <laughs> They have to share a bed, both of the the ladies. Yes, um, Dustin and, and uh. Jessica. So, um, well, and you know, um, there is a scene in that same weekend. So they go away to her visit her dad, and you know, as a friend, like let me bring my friend to see my dad for the weekend, and you know, upstate New York or whatever. Um, okay, and they're hanging around, and then there's the scene where Julie Jessica Lang puts her finger in something cooking to taste it, yep. and he, uh, you know, as Dorothy, kind of watches her longingly. And then, okay, she dips the exact same finger into the same sauce and offers that same finger to Dorothy to lick off. <laughs> like, what? Okay, like, pretty times. You oh. wouldn't expect your friend to lick sauce off the finger, or your finger, that you literally also just licked it off of. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a finger nail. There's just too many elements. Like, that was too intense. Like, that is not real. Come on. Well, I'm here to tell you that I do think this is definitely, if, if it were made today too, I feel like there is some level at which Jessica Lange is kind of questioning her sexuality in this. I really think yes. that. You see, and the finger well, licking and- scene is one example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, and you know, it almost, there is a little touch, because her dad sort of comes off as a little bit homophobic with you know, when he's kind of finding things out, he's like, if I had kissed you, I would have been, you know, I would have hit you. I would have been even madder, like finding out later he'd been duped like that. And so I feel like maybe she has a little bit of a holdover from her dad being like that, because at some point, you know, when she doesn't have the reveal yet and she's still talking to what she thinks is Dorothy, a woman, she kind of has to distance herself from her, like for fear of the, of the lesbianness of it all, you know? Right, right, right. So, but anyway, uh, you know, it comes around in the end and everyone has a, has a wonderful time and has learned some lessons. But it's, and it's only um, mildly homophobic. It's only mildly homophobic. Yeah, just mildly. Like 1982 level. It's, it's 82, y'all. Come on. It's 82. Believe me, I, want, I went to high school in the 80s. Trust me, this is light. <laughs> God. <laughs> Trust her. <laughs> oh, sorry, Corey. Why? I don't know. <laughs> to me? Why I don't are you know. apologizing we're, to me? You know, we're getting off topic. <laughs> I love hearing 80s high school stories, you know, anytime. 
I know. I know you do, Lisa. But Corey doesn't. He's, he's heard enough. He's heard enough of them. Okay. Well. He's young. I, I, I said nothing. I did not protest at all. No, uh, you didn't. You didn't. But I was just, you know, pre-warning you. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, anything else you want to bring us about this, Lisa? Or um, are you on to Mrs. Doubtfire now? I, yeah, maybe that's that's next. I need to. I really need to scratch my itch for a, a transition montage with a lot more um, prosthetics and wigs. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for bringing us this one, and we will um, catch you on the flip yeah, side. Yeah, now I want to rewatch Tootsie. It's been I, a long really, time. I mean, maybe yeah. that. What, when is its anniversary? It was last year. Oh, it's so, it was December. Like this very past December was forty uh, years. So well, yeah. yeah, that's too so bad. It's time to everybody, it's it's a real enjoyable enjoyable one. Yeah. The good thing about time is it continues to move, That's and true. it will have another anniversary. We'll, we'll, ca- we'll catch it on, on 45, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye. Roll your mouse over the biscuit maker. Uh, uh, of, uh... <laughs> Man, that's weird. Man, that's weird. I got some stuff for you. Well, let's hear it. Well, we're, I'm working on right now, Women in Film Week. You, I was about to say we, but we really aren't working together on Women in Film Week at the cinema for obvious reasons, right? Yep. And so um, I've reached out and asked some folks to guest program to kind of throw their favorite film directed by a woman my way. And um, and of course, I've asked um, women who are in the industry or connected to the industry in some way to to do this. And um, Stacey Davis, who's on our board of directors Mm -hmm. and also a, um, a, a filmmaker in her own right, as well as she does a lot of legal on films. Selected the film Big, directed by Penny Marshall. All right, you know this is uh, right up my alley, it Mr. Is. Thomas Hanks. It is. Oh boy, it is. And I actually, I'm not going to argue too much with you here because I think this is probably Tom Hanks at his best. It. He's the 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 boy child, um, man yep. child that he is. He, he works really well for him in this. But I, I started thinking about this film, and it, it's so strange. There's so many things that happen in the '80s that are so inappropriate. <laughs> we just talked about Tootsie, and that was one of the things that for a number of reasons we today would be like well watch out careful careful and uh and this is another one that feels really really kind of gross well there is a a (laughs) plot thread let's say about uh little boy tom hanks who's a little boy in a grown man's body uh who sleeps with a lady a full grown ass lady, full grown and sexy, and um, yeah, it's 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 kind of like what happens in Back to the Future, where you're like, I'm not feeling okay about this. There's a <laughs> there's a mom and a son in a car together, and she's like, you know, reaching in places that ah, she should she shouldn't be reaching in those places. Yeah. So I started thinking about it, and I thought, let me go, let me look into this film a little bit because there is some weird shit going on here, and I, I discovered a number of things that I thought were odd, and a mm-hmm. number of connections that were I, I thought were odd, but I, I wanted to share just a few of them with you all right one of which is that are you surprised for a long time this was a film that was considered to be it should be a girl who goes back (laughs) well so i mean eventually they come back around with 13 going on 30 in the early 2000s jennifer garner doing that which is you know that's a cute movie too but i'm i i am a little surprised right yeah and this is this would have been like a a young a, a young girl in a full grown woman's body. Well, that's that's what happens in thirteen going on thirty. Oh, it she, is it, okay. Like, yeah, she's a little girl, and then like it 
I didn't she, realize she that. She inhabits her future body or something. You know, like that. I, I don't, don't watch films with platypus in them, so. Oh, poor I Jennifer know. Garner. She's, oh, that's so probably, poor Jennifer Garner. That's a good movie with her in it. Oh, stop. It is. Okay, it's let cute. me make a note to tell Sam that we're going to fight 13 going on no, 30. We're that's going to be an I haven't easy seen win. that movie in 20 years. Well, go watch years. it because you're Absolutely defending not. it. It's cute. Let me get back all. to Big. Okay. So, Tom Hanks was always the first cho- choice for this role to hmm. play the character Josh. Okay. Uh, but happened to be unavailable due to some scheduling conflicts. And those scheduling conflicts I can identify for you. They are Dragnet and yeah. Punchline. Uh, he could have cleared his yeah, schedule. He, he probably should have just cleared it. <laughs> Granted, he got to spend some time with Sally Field and one of them. Sure. Still probably not worth it. So you're going to love this if you uh, don't already know. Do you know who they then went to to star in this role? I really don't. Okay. Robert De Niro. Oh. <laughs> Would that not have been the weirdest shit ever? I mean, that was that was fully like 12, 13 years before he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to do comedies because I'm hilarious, like permanently. It, um, it would like analyze this and shit. It like, would have been a disaster. It would have been a disaster. I mean, it already, you can kind of, I feel like this is where I'll give Tom Hanks some credit and I'll give Penny Marshall some credit. And that is to say that you can kind of back off of the ickiness of this thing because Tom Hanks is such a, a child in a grown man's body. Right. So that's what allows it to work. But De Niro, the whole time you're just going to be like, oh, God, yeah. what is happening? This is just bizarre. Also, I don't know if this is a hot take. Robert De Niro is not funny. Oh, wow. He tries to be. A I lot. I don't think he's I don't think he's funny when he's trying to be. I think he can be very funny, but not when he not when he's going for it. Well, Does like, that make sense? Like, you know, you can get some sick laughs at the king of comedy, but that's, you know. Yeah. Well, I can get some sick laughs at Taxi Driver. Sure. Right. When he bumbles in that room and right. like throws stuff around in the newsroom or, or like, the, in the political you know, office. Sybil Shepard, like, what do you mean you don't want to yeah. watch a pornographic movie? That's hilarious. Yeah, but I mean, when he's is. trying right. for right. it, it doesn't work. And Sybil Shepard's actually very funny, but enough about that. So Robert, he was actually offered the role while Tom Hanks was working on the very important Dragnet and Punchline. Okay. And uh, and he turned it down. Uh, they worked for a long time, actually, to try to get it to work out. But he had a $6 million paycheck requirement, and they could not make that work. And they had even gone about reworking the script to to make it more of a city, a, a kid from a, from a, from an urban, a more urban kid if you will. And yeah, the salary demand is what lost it for him. And by the time they were able to get everything sorted out and realize they weren't going to have him, um, Tom Hanks was free. Oh, thank God. (laughs) And Tom Hanks did it for a a measly $2 million. And got his first Oscar nomination for it. Yeah. So advantage Hanks. Absolutely. And and, uh, speaking of first, Uh Penny Marshall became the first female director to direct a film that grossed more than $100 million at the box office. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. And this was eighty eight, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that's right. We should we should check I think, in case I, we have sure to right. retract that. And it, this is rated PG, but contains the word "fuck" in it, mm-hmm. along with Spaceballs and Caddyshack and Beetlejuice, something you will not see today happening. And uh, I'll also let you know that uh, the did you did you know this mm-hmm. that the younger sister of Tom Hanks. Uh, whose name is Rachel in the mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. Uh, that child actress is uncredited. And to this day, nobody knows who she is, unidentified. It's a mystery. I bet it's a mystery that could be solved <laughs> I if would anybody think so. wanted to. I would think so. But urban legend has it that they went out you know, looking for this person and can't figure out who it is. If you were the young actress who starred with, with, with Tom Hanks in Big, 
podcast at sidewalkfest.com. Send us an email. We'll, we we'll have a you. screening in your honor and bring you to town. Sure. I mean, we would literally do that. If we can be the people who reveal who you are, you mystery woman. <laughs> uh, here is another interesting casting. And I think that once we make this connection between this casting and the potential Robert De Niro, you're going to fall out of your chair. Okay. All right. Do you know who... Well, Elizabeth Perkins is the woman who's cast as the full-grown and sexy lady who sure. Tom Hanks is getting with yep. as a little boy, but in a man's body. Yep. Do you know who almost played the role? I don't. That Elizabeth Perkins took over. Deborah Winger. Oh my god. <laughs> was the person originally considered for the role of Susan <laughs> Why Lawrence? Why would you get all of these super serious actors? It's for this so movie? fucked. I need you to picture if you haven't seen Big. <laughs> When you watch it for the first time, I want you to picture Deborah Winger and De Niro in these roles. This would be the weirdest shit. I mean, I kind of want to see this film made. And this made. is after, like, Terms of Endearment. Yeah. This is, this is well after that. And girl, the only reason she didn't take it is because she was pregnant. Oh, my God. So this really, I mean, woof, dodged some bullets here with this. She's also the person who actually recommended Elizabeth Perkins. Okay, and to and to hit it even home, how, how even stranger uh, the Deborah Winger thought is in this role, she actually came out and said, "Well, it should be a girl." It should be. <laughs> she was in full support of them changing. The- <laughs> that's. It's all so weird. That's so weird. Uh, and for then uh, to land on a couple of more sort of benign but interesting connections to this film, Steven Spielberg's sister. And Spielberg That's right. co-wrote the script, mm-hmm. and Spielberg actually was at one point being looked at to direct, and he didn't want to outshine his sister, and that's why he stepped away from it, supposedly. That's considerate. Yeah. And then, um, you probably know this, but just making the connection for you as we wrap this up, this, se- this segment, Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Perkins both starred together in Toy Story and Finding Nemo, as well as this film. I did not know that Elizabeth Perkins was in Toy Story. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't know it either. Well, how about that? But I read it, hmm. and so it must be true. It must be. Well, yeah. those are indeed very weird factoids about Big, a movie that I haven't seen in 20 years. I haven't seen it in a long time either, but you are going to be able to see it at the Sidewalk Cinema soon during Women in Film Week. Maybe I'll have to make a trip and see that on the big screen. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Side Talks Podcast. I'm not even done with Hooters yet. Oh, my God. For your own personal cinematic three-mile island Bloody Mary and Hoot Punch. A three-mile <laughs> island Bloody Mary feels like it's in questionable taste. I mean, you don't say. What but the it is fuck? at Hooters, so if I If you guess... don't know what Three Mile Island is, if you want to get real fucking depressed today, go look that shit up. It is miserable and sad, and what the fuck? Who names a drink after a, a catastrophic disaster? And and like and like not that not that distant history. This is crazy. Yeah, it's like going to like a restaurant and being like, I'll take, I'll have the the Hurricane Katrina. Oh, it's it's it. Yeah, it's leaving a bad taste in my mouth, and that's probably what this drink does. Um, but Hooters, you know, yeah. not exactly paragons yeah. of of taste. But let me tell you what's in it because you do need to know this. So the next time you're at Hooters, you can make a decision about whether or not you want to get it. It is absolute vodka. Mm-hmm. Their signature Three Mile Island Bloody Mary mix, mm-hmm. which is trademarked. So mm-hmm. who the fuck knows what's in that? It could be a little bit of some chemical remnants, I assume. <laughs> Um, bacon, which, duh, did you even have to say that? We yeah, knew that was in there. It's a Hooters. Jalapeno, lime, celery, and olives, so it's basically just a Bloody Mary. 
anyway. Yeah, but just like packed with shit. What's the other one? The hoot, hoot punch. Hoot I, don't, punch. I think you have to say it like that. I think if you go to Hooters, you can't just say, I'd like a hoot punch, please. You have to say, I want a hoot punch. Wow. And it is a little more interesting. So get ready to make your decision, Corey. I'm mm, letting okay. you have this All one right. as well. All right. And uh, and what's in that is some Smirnoff citrus vodka, okay. some Malibu cocoa rum, because uh, as we've discovered, uh-oh. Malibu cocoa is in almost every drink on these menus. An alarm is going off. <laughs> tropical fruit juices, which I'm sure are coming strained straight from the actual tropical That's just, fruit. It's just they opened Hawaiian punch, like a bottle of Hawaiian <laughs> yeah. punch. That's all. And get ready for it. Okay. A splash, and all you need is a splash. A splash of Mountain Dew. Sure. Hoot! Punch! What are you doing? I don't know. You go ahead and be Three Mile Fucking Island. That's I mean, nuts. I get, like, nah, at least that has like stuff that's recognizable as like food in it. That's true. So, who, I, who I'll the fuck take, knows you know what's what? in the hoot punch? Fuck it. I'll take that Mountain Dew floater. All right. All right. I'll take the. I'll take the. But here's <laughs> the thing. Like, not only do I find that mildly objectionable, I don't think I've ever had a Bloody Mary like in reality. Oh wow, they're del- they are delicious. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't you know I don't drink much, so yeah. if I'm going to, I don't know that that's like at the top of my list of shit to get. I think that you want that Bloody Mary and not the hoop punch. I do. I think yeah. you do, All Brad. Right. What are you What are you ordering? Are you ordering the Three Mile Island or are you ordering the hoop punch? Uh, I'm going Bloody Mary, dude. Yeah, yeah, got to, hmm. got to. Even if it's named after a horrific disaster. True. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, Brad. Thank you, Bowel Studios. Uh, can't wait to get a China syndrome, <laughs> Bloody Mary. <laughs> let me get a let me get a let me get a Silkwood Hurricane. <laughs> the fuck, y'all. <laughs> Sidewalkfest.com. It's, it's garnished with some a layer of chemo skin. <laughs> fuck off. You order a Silkwood uh, Hurricane, they uh, strip you naked and scrub your skin with, with oh my God. coarse brushes. I think we should screen Silkwood <laughs> and we should have a Silkwood drink and the bartender should have to take a wire brush and just <laughs> sprinkle some of their skin on top as a seasoning. That's so disgusting. That's so gross. <laughs> you uh, know what? I'm going to fucking tell it to Patrick. I bet he'd be like, I'm up. Uh, we are not going to do that at the Sidewalk <laughs> Cinema. The drinks that you order at our bar are Speak free for yourself, from human Corey. skin. Um, and if you want to come get a, a non-skin uh, tainted drink uh, from our bar and you want to see a movie with us, visit SidewalkFest.com to get those tickets and find us on social media at Sidewalk Film, where you can see from time to time drink specials that, again, are not necessarily always named after um, horrifying disasters. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they are. Those are usually disasters in films and not ones that have actually burned people up. Yeah. Right. Well, bye. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.